This is Cockatrice Nuggets with Rich Frazier, serving you up a heaping helping of RPG nuggets straight to your gaming table. So, uh, last night, we played D&D, and it was amazing. Um, I kind of ushered them, I, I'm, I'm getting sick of this, it's been like three months, really, that I have, uh, that we have been in this giant cavern system. Um, and wow, it's, it's, it's been a bear, you know? It's, there's a lot of monsters in here. Um, if I was doing this without roll 20, I would have been doing this a lot longer. This, this would have gone on for probably twice as long. Um, I would have done some things differently too. I would have mixed so many monsters in. Um, I would have had to study the monsters a lot harder beforehand. I would have had to make plans for those monsters. But uh, this time around, because of roll 20 like i've got all that information like right there like double click and it's there i don't have to flip through a book i don't have to search on dnd beyond i don't have to look for the links in my one note it's right there on the screen with the map um so it was a lot easier i should have studied the monsters more that's i have a failing with doing that so my my time kind of lags sometimes especially when i get the spell casting monsters because i'm like oh they have spells what spells are they you know um but again roll 20 makes it really easy because all that stuff's right there i don't have to look it up in a book i don't have to click a link to follow it i don't have to um figure any of that stuff out it's all right there for me and um it makes it go way faster. And this is something, so uh, one of my friends said, oh, so we're never meeting online again, huh? And I was like, no, we can we can meet online again, or we can meet in person again. Um, that's what he said, we're never meeting in person again. Uh, and, I, and I said, no, we can meet in person again. We're just always gonna have a monitor with Roll20 on there. <laughs> um, so last night, they, um, their uh, uh, elder brain friend, Krang, um, we'll use the term uh, friend loosely um, he uh, is wandering around with them trapped in a water elemental uh, because he has to stay in brine right he's got to stay fresh can't uh, live too long without his brine so he's been looking for his brother and he's pushing them right now because I'm pushing them I'm saying he's in the other room we're going there let's go let's go let's go so they take a short rest at the end of last session and um, I pull them straight in. And they're like, why aren't you leading? <laughs> and I said, well, I want you guys to go, you know. I want you guys to figure out where this stuff is. And uh, so we hit the edge of this giant room and I have them roll initiative, kind of describe the room out. Actually, I didn't describe the room out. And then I went back and I said, wait a minute, let's describe the room out here before, before uh, the first player goes so we can figure out what's going on. So in the center of the room, there's this uh, glowing ball with a unicorn trapped inside, electricity coming from the pillars on either side of it. And uh, <clears throat> and this unicorn is obviously trapped. When someone goes up to interact with it, uh, they can't get through the ball. They can't. Then and the unicorn looks exhausted, standing there. Looks like it's been standing there for however long it's been there. Um, in the back of the room, there is uh, a, a, a giant, an Imperion, a Titan, Celestial Titan. And this guy is like at least 20 feet tall. This room is huge. It's 110 feet across and just as high as it is wide. So this Imperion is wearing um, like a skull cap, a beanie kind of uh, tam they're called, I believe. Um, and they know this to be a, um, an illusion. And it's a fiendish larva that's actually in, in his brain controlling him. And that's why he's working for the fiends that own this prison. So um, they decide 
well, they don't decide. They 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 start attacking. They uh, they go for the head. Um, there are only two other mobs in here with it. Um, I I rush them through the first part um, when they actually saw uh, one of the players uh, had control of Earth Elemental. So when they went into that room, uh, there were Earth Elementals, or into that map there were Earth Elementals, and they could see what the Earth Elementals saw. So that was my mistake there. Um, but they didn't think anything of it, you know. They they just assumed that you know, okay, we're going past that. Um, the plan for this though was either they decide to go into each room and clear out the monsters beforehand, or they fight them all at the same time. So at every initiative, uh, at the end of every initiative round, I brought in a new set of monsters at zero and um, let them take a turn. So uh, this is a big melee. They've got a Kirin on their side. They've got a Dao on their side. And uh, I had thought about it. Uh, one of the players suggested it. I should, I should pass out these characters uh, and let other people play them because I had a lot, a lot, a lot of interaction with myself. I had uh, a fight going on in a hall, you know. Um, Akira did a lot of the damage to uh, the Empyrean. So I think it would have felt better in the player's hands. So next time I'm going to uh, pass those over. But it wasn't something I wanted to drop on them at the beginning of combat. Oh, here's the Dao with, you know, 20 spells. Why don't you uh, figure out what he's doing? Here's a Karin who's mostly a healer but can attack pretty hard. So why don't you figure out what he's doing? I say hey, you know, I should be saying it, I think. Um... So um, this is a this is combat, you know. This is a, a slog because after the first round, two uh, Ouroboros come out, and these are uh, Tomo beasts, so nobody knows anything about them. So I've got uh, crazy abilities, and see, I should have studied my monsters a little better because they have this incapacitating thing that is a. It's not high DC; it's only fifteen, but still, it was um, wisdom, and some people had a problem making it. Uh, one person used um, the thief. Roger used. Um, inspiration to re-roll um, and uh, uh, I had a new player uh, my best friend from high school came in and uh, got to play and uh, he he just had problems all night <laughs> uh, I, I smacked him down pretty hard and I incapacitated him I knocked him prone um, so he was he was feeling a little a little useless right I told him after the game I was like hey man you know Every other person who comes in comes in at a time where it's heavy role playing and they don't get to do anything but sit in the back and not have any input because they don't know what's going on. So at least you got to roll some dice. <laughs> um, so I've got these uh, Ouroboros who are, um, they make you uh, ponder, uh, uh, sit and uh, think introspectively about things. Uh, so um, that affected, like I said, the, the fighter, um, who everyone was excited to have a fighter. So that was uh, the, the Kirin became the tank because that was what was in the Empyrean's face. So that kind of saved the players a lot because this, this Empyrean was doing at least 30 a swing, and I know he crit at least once. Um, so the Earth Elementals got tanked. Um, and then these Ouroboros came in. One was polymorphed, one was taken out. I stopped using the incapacitating uh, ability because they could use it every single turn. And that would have got very annoying on the players very fast, especially with all the different monsters. You know, if this were, um, I think the Ouroboros was made to be a boss monster because it has leg legendary actions. Um, 
something else that I should have paid attention to while I was making this dungeon said, uh, wow, there's going to be three people in here with legendary actions. Maybe I should back off on that just a little bit. Um, but I think they're more designed to be a boss monster, so uh, you would try to be locking them down and hit them hard and get them out. Um, the, the fight was only four rounds long. Um, I believe. I forgot to look, but I'm pretty sure it was only four rounds. And uh, they it was, it was a slog. So after that, uh, some ghouls came out. Um, they uh, they have some goth uh, friends. They uh, dress in black and talk all negative. Um, seriously, they're uh, little little beholders, little beholder dudes. Uh, not little tiny beholder dudes, but medium sized beholder dudes. And uh, they only have four stocks or no six stocks on top of their head instead of eight. Um, and they only move twenty feet around, so they're way in the back. So they're taking they're they're fighting these ghouls in the back uh, while um, the the fight continues in the main room. First round, Ouroboros came out. Second round, the ghouls came out. Third round, uh, Irene's came out. And that was that was pretty much the end. Uh, the Irene's didn't get to go in the fourth round because uh, I called it. Um, they knocked down the Apirian. They got down the Ouroboros. One was polymorphed. The other was just beat down. And uh, two Irians weren't going to do much against them. Um, although I did have five or six more monsters um, hidden in the back. One of them had legendary actions. Um, the rest of them were casters. Uh, so I was like, hey, so this is this is the situation here. It's 11 o'clock. We usually go to 10 or 10.30. 11 o'clock's not stretching it too bad, especially when everyone was into it. But I was like, it's 11 o'clock. This fight can continue on for another two hours, probably. Uh, but I know you're going to come out of it on top. I mean, you might waste some resources, but you're going to come out of it on top. So let's just call this fight. I said, in fact, I'm getting tired of being in this dungeon. So what's going to happen after this room is you guys are going to wander around this dungeon and try to find a way out while you try to find the ultra loth that you came here to rescue. And I said, basically what would happen at the end of every round, I'd roll a 12-sider. If it gets a 12, then you have an encounter. That could be a combat or it could not be a combat. I didn't say that, but uh, that's how all my encounters are. They actually talk their way past quite a few encounters. But that doesn't really shorten the time much, you know? It probably... A combat encounter is going to take twice as long as a social encounter, generally, with my players. So... They, they, they felt okay with skipping the end of the dungeon because the prison was like going to be basically on lockdown, you know, guards were going to be coming from everywhere. All the guards were going to be out. All the prisoners were going to be running around trying to escape. Um, so basically I had, um, oh, I skipped Krang, huh? So Krang ran for, ran for his brother in the, in the first part of the fight. And that's, that's like all he did. He got to the back of the room and this giant blue light came streaming out on the second round. They went back there and found out uh, that they were merging, basically. And he turned into this super elder brain. So the super elder brain said, you know, the Ultraloth is this way, come on. They prepared plane shift. They prepared who they're going to take. Uh, there was a the Gunalinga, uh, the bull with the wings celestial uh, from the beginning that they tried to heal. Actually, I think they cast greater restoration on him and I let it do a little bit. There was uh, the, the Kirin left, the Kirin bailed after they, they said, we're here to rescue an uh, Ultraloth. And the Kirin was like, eh, you know, now I'm out. Uh, they struggled with that one for a while because his name was something the builder. They they were like, yeah, wouldn't this guy be perfect to you know make the sword that we came in here to get the metal about? And I was like, you know, no, no, you guys got to stop with this. Um, I know this sounds cool, but you're gonna find out why it's not gonna happen soon. So let's not worry about that. Let's uh, let's forget about the Kieran going along. So Crane comes out of the back, you know, with his brother, his his new complete self. 
And so they decide to take uh, the Dow leaves. He uh, he says, I'm out of here, and disappears. Uh, once he knows that uh, he can leave, he leaves. He has no allegiance to the players. And the players were supposed to be in there to rescue him, a favor for a, a character's patron, a warlock's patron. The player dropped out, but uh, that storyline was still there. And they, they found this genie, right? So I was like, so, you know, you're going to get experience for it, but you're not going to get anything from him because you weren't supposed to get anything from him anyway. You weren't supposed to be rewarded. This was supposed to be a favor for somebody that he's fulfilling. So basically, you're going to fulfill this favor for him, and maybe this genie will owe you. The genie disappears, but he leaves a calling card, okay? It leaves his name and his location, and it says, I owe you one. All right, this is kind of leading into two adventures down the road. So... What they are going to, or what they end up doing after that, is making a plan on who they can take with them. So it's the six players. You can take eight. One was the caster. You can take eight with you. So they had three slots left. They took the unicorn, the Gunalinga, and somebody else. And uh, they were thinking about taking the Imperion, but then they were like, "No, we'll take. We'll take. We'd rather take the Gunalinga." And uh, so they told Krang to take the Imperion in hopes that one day they could get a favor out of the Imperion. So Krang. Giant Krang, new Krang, scoops him up into his uh, tentacles and floats away with him. Oh, the Ultraloth. That was the last one. There you go. So they get back to the Ultraloth, and uh, basically they plane shift to the Ultraloth's home, and that's where we end. I ask them if they want to go outside or they want to plane shift like right when they get the Ultraloth. Sombra the mage says, well, I'd rather do it outside. It'd be better outside. So they go outside. I think they, they did that just to make sure. I don't know why they did that. I think they did that just to make sure that the, the shield was down and they could get out. Because I hadn't told them that the shield was definitely down. They get out and they get to see Krang float away to his Nautilus spaceship. One of the players looks at me and says, can we do the train? And I was like, yes. And this is something he and I had been planning for a while. I really like it when players take initiative and ask me things outside of the game and work on things outside of the game. And then we get to bring it in as a big surprise. This is a 12-car train. It is like a double-wide train. It would not fit on tracks. It is based off a lightning rail from Eberron. I am also going to put it in World Anvil eventually, so you guys are going to see it. But this thing comes, you know, roaring out of the sky in like a Christmas special kind of way in my head, you know, essing down towards the players. One of his followers says, um, all right, boss, I got the, got the train up and running. Pops his head out. And everybody's like, what is this? <laughs> so we ended there. And then we spent about the next 15 minutes talking about the train and all of its uh, glory. It's basically got a car for everything. It's got a car for sleeping. It's got a car for cargo. It's got a car for passengers. And it is out of the Acquisitions Incorporated book it is where we based most of this out of. And this is an amazing book, my friends. Uh, I, I don't know how much glory I've spoken about this book, but my God, is it amazing. If uh, Acquisitions Incorporated could sponsor me, I would let them. So this book has an amazingly detailed setup for a headquarters for for the for the acquisition business, right? And then you pay so much to the home office every month for it. So this can directly be translated into business expenses. And there's an updated table from the DMG for business expenses. It goes up higher and goes down lower, so you can end up paying more or paying less. And it's also more of a gradient. I don't, know, I don't think that's the right word, but um, it's more stratified. So there are um, there's more numbers on the chart, basically. So instead of going from 100 to 50, it goes 175, 50, 25. So um, 
yeah, we uh, we were digging through this book. He says, you know, he wants an extra dimensional train. How how would we work with that? And I was like, man, read Acquisitions Incorporated, and then come back to me and ask me that question, and then we'll work on it. So he starts looking at this stuff, and he dove into it. I think he ate that book alive. And it's an amazing book. It's got some really good stuff in there. One of the other things that it brought to um, you've got you've got bodies, right? You've got extra people helping you run this place. Um, you've got a staff. And what you can do with that staff is send them on downtime activities while you're adventuring. So if you're out for a week, they can be doing something for a week. And that totally makes sense, right? Now, I don't think that it makes sense that anybody would do this for you, right? You can't just go into a town and be like, hey man, I need you to do some spell research for me. Here's here's the money plus, you know, 50% more. So uh, you don't just steal my money. I mean, some guy might jump on that, but everybody else is going to be like, nah, I got stuff to do, man. Sorry. I, I'm, I'm not your, I'm not your guy. Um, but followers and henchmen and these people would definitely like to uh, do stuff for you, right? That's, that's what they're there for. You, that's what uh, their, their position is in the game. I can't think of what else. Uh, it really detailed the, 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 the office, the acquisitions uh, franchise. There are levels, every tier, it goes up a level which means it costs more, but it also gets more things. It gets defense things. It gets, you can have things like a library. Uh, he has a crafting car. Um, there is a, uh, a bar slash casino car. There is um, a, like a dining car. And uh, he, he wanted to be fancy gourmet because uh, his characters are all about the fancy. Overall, it was a really good adventure. It was a, a really a lot of fun. I'm glad that train came out. It's very exciting. So next adventure, they will be uh, meeting their Yugoloth friend Sog, Sog Thonok, and he is a Mesoloth, and uh, they will be meeting with him and getting um, Orgreg back. They will be happily reunited. We're going to find out what happens with the Or next session, and um, I think that's it. Uh, they totally ditched somebody in that prison. They were supposed to take a Morkoth with them, so I don't know. Eventually, that'll come back to bite them in the ass? Probably not. They'll probably never run across the Morkoth again. If they do, it's going to be that Morkoth. Um, I should drop that in plot encounters. I Generally, in my encounter tables, I leave uh, 9 to 12 for uh, plot encounters or no encounter if they've got plot encounters stacked up. Uh, like in my other game, one of them was uh, they had a treasure map. So I rolled an encounter. It came up a plot encounter. Um, and I looked over my plots that they had, and they had a treasure map. So I was like, okay, so you find out where this treasure map leads to, you know. You see this area, and it looks like what's on the treasure map. So uh, that that random encounter turned into that night's adventure, and I really like uh, I really like the way it works. I don't have enough plot encounters, so I think that I, I think that I can't lean too hard on it. But when something does happen that may come up later, it's uh, it's a good place to slot that for me. And I think that's it, right? They've got the the Gunalinga that we'll figure out what happens. Um, because they're going to Gehana. That's going to be fun, right? Um, they're going to resolve Orgreg and Sogthanok. Uh, they're going to resolve the ore. They're going to find out what they need to do with that next. I'm going to make a plot encounter for the Morkoth, which will ba basically be... I don't know. They'll have to be in some random place, right? Because uh, Morkoth isn't, like, traveling around. He hangs out in his lair and collects stuff. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe the Morkoth is out trying to find something, trying to get something. Or maybe they stumble across the Morkoth's lair. And ironically, it's them. Have I got a deal for you? That was a great episode last week. Um, the players, uh, one of the characters tried to uh, contact a deity. My son's playing a cleric, and he really likes to use the uh, 
the divine intervention i think it's called um he likes to he likes to lean on it and why the hell not because you know what the hell um he rolled he rolled really high so it was it was uh it was it was a no go but a devil showed up but he was like hey you know i'm not the guy you called but uh i heard you crying out for help and i thought maybe i could be some of some assistance um so they met a devil uh torzukov and he uh he helped them out of a jam and they only had to trade six souls um they've got these soul coins that um they're supposed to be powering the fell reaver i gave them with but uh they haven't i haven't put them in a position where they can use the fell reaver yet um i think i put the fell reaver in there mostly because um they're gonna have to deal with that pit fiend general gazra eventually and i wanted them to have something else on their side uh, aside from this this magic sword that I haven't exactly decided what's going to do, but it's going to weaken him quite a bit. I think it might just be like he once he's hit with the sword, he can be damaged. Otherwise, he can't be damaged. That was something I did last night with the um, the Imperion. Uh, I I waited till the Imperion got down to half damage, and then I took the cap off and healed the Imperion back to full, um, and said that the cap. Uh, it's illusion drops and it's actually like a big slug that's wrapped around his head and boring in the in, in the back um, and it falls out dead and the, the illusion of damage on the Empyrean disappears so he's back at full health but at that time you know it was uh, he was vulnerable to bludgeoning slashing and piercing so he really had less hit points I guess technically right somebody crit so it was a quadruple it was uh, it was pretty good it was uh, it was it uh, was some he did over 100 damage in one in three attacks no six attacks he used a extra extra uh, attack what is that called action surge that's it action surge so we've got defeating a sararak uh rescuing cast of the stunning that's they finish that um return clabu home they did not finish that and the problem with pit fiends they are working on that all right so uh yeah that's what happened and it was uh, it was a really fun night. Uh, glad my uh, my old friend got to play. It was very fun. I uh, hope he's going to be coming back. So I will uh, talk to you guys next week. Uh, this is going to be a regular thing, and uh, I'm going to be back to putting the podcast out every week. So I'm really excited. Um, if it's nothing but a um, a plot wrap up, then that's great. Um, if I talk about stuff, which I probably will, because I have problems, I have issues, I have ideas. Um, like this week, I babble on about uh, Acquisitions Incorporated. Go buy the book, it's good. Uh, anyway, I will talk to you guys next week. That's all the nuggets we've got this week. Show notes available at slackthenerds.com. Want to reach out? Send a voice message using the link in my show notes, the Anchor FM app or website, or email me at cockatreesnuggets at gmail.com. Check out my new streams on twitch.tv slash jerry247. As always, you can use my blog at Slacker Nerds to get links to my Patreon and all my other socials. Come join my new Discord server. Links in the show notes. This podcast is ranked via iTunes, so leave me a review and some stars there. Share with your friends or shout out from the rooftops. However you want to get the word out, it's great for me. Thanks for listening.